Hello and welcome to For All Mumkind, the podcast, a podcast by mums for mums. My name is Pamela and in each week I sit down and chat with a mum about motherhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a longtime friend of mine. She's a communication officer with a health charity, a councillor for the Labour Party and a mum to Abe with another little one on the way. It's Deirdre Kingston. Hi Dee. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So you arrived in with a bump. Yes, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> arrived in with a bump into the world. Um, yeah, to my second baby in January, middle of January. And on the scale of excited? Um, it's probably equal between excited and terrified because I know what the reality is of having a baby. Uh, but generally excited and I think excited for Abe as well because yeah. um, I just can't wait to see him with a little sibling. And I think he is just going to love it so much. He's probably going to love it and tug it and squeeze it to the point of no return. But um, yeah, really excited and looking forward to kind of going back to that lovely baby stage as well, you know. Um, And I didn't understand that when people said it to me when Abe was born. You know, everybody says to you, enjoy the baby stage, you know, when they can't go anywhere and they're just lying on your chest. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. But, you know, I need my own space as well. But now I just can't wait to have a little baby stuck on me for a few months um, yeah. because Abe just wants to wriggle out of my arms all the time now. Um, so, yeah, very excited. And anyway, apprehensive? Like, are you apprehensive about having two or apprehensive about the labour or... Um, I don't feel that apprehensive about the labour, actually. Um, I had a, kind of, I suppose, a bit of an odd experience in labour, but um, in general, the, the labouring part of it, I found okay, and I felt like, yeah. you know, I was able to deal with it. Um, I guess I am a little bit apprehensive about having two and having to mind two at the same time. <laughs> because, you know, as you know, it's it's tiring and exhausting it's hard being a mum and now I'm like I have to do that by two at the same time so I think a little bit apprehensive but you know I kind of I know I'll be okay as well and I know I'll have you know good help support around the place so and I always think with two you're not outnumbered yes exactly it's a safe exactly. number yeah that's true that's and true. with your last pregnancy and this pregnancy is there a difference in how you're feeling um, I think I was probably fitter when I got pregnant the first time and I felt good. I, you know, I had no complaints during pregnancy. Um, I really enjoyed it, actually. I loved being pregnant. Um, always felt well. Uh, this time around, I suppose, you know, I just, I suppose I just feel like I'm not in the same, I suppose, uh, physical fitness that I was when I got pregnant with Abe. So I kind of feel the aches a little bit more. Um, and I was quite sick at the beginning, definitely sicker at the beginning than I was with Abe um, and had a little bit more kind of nauseous, nauseous feeling and that kind of thing. But um, trying to get out and move as much as I can. And I do my pregnancy yoga, I started back last week, which is just amazing, just to stretch your body and yeah. have a bit of time to yourself. So trying to do all those little things just to keep myself moving. Um, but definitely feel a little bit different. And it's exhausting as well because you have another ba- baby yeah. that you're looking after and you're up at, you know, half five, six o'clock in the morning with. So, you know, that takes its toll on you as well. So yeah. just try and carve out a bit of time for myself and mind myself, basically. 
And another Cork woman, Deirdre Shocknessy, when I spoke to her, actually, she spoke about the princess pregnancy, which was yeah. your first pregnancy. <laughs> and where you have, you can do all your yoga and your baby moons and like facials. Yeah, totally. And, then, and your naps. I mean, yeah. you get to like have a little rest whenever you're feeling a little bit tired. You can just like kip on the couch, but that doesn't happen anymore. Not at all. No. Definitely takes more out of you. And Abe is almost two, so he's obviously really active. Yeah, he does not stop. I mean, the minute his feet are on the floor in the morning, like he wakes up saying, where's my book? So he's like up and he's like just ready to go for the entire day. Anything that he can get a foothold in, he's climbing up on. Um, just loves running, has just stopped walking now and decides to run everywhere while screaming, mostly downhill. Um, so yeah, he's 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 full on, but he's, I mean, he's great fun. He's got a great personality, loves making people laugh, loves getting a reaction out of people. Um, but yeah, just he's just a mad, energetic little boy. And looking at his first two years, like, have you learned mm. anything now as a mum that you go, oh, do you know what? I wouldn't do that again. Or that worked really well that you now mm. know from for number two. I think the biggest lesson I learned probably was to take as much time as you can um, with your baby at the beginning and throughout their lives, you know. You'll never regret that time. When I, was pre- when I found out I was pregnant with Abe, I had decided to run in a general election. Um, and I had just applied to be a candidate in a general election. I found out I was pregnant with Abe about two or three days later. And I thought, how am I going to do this? But, you know, on my first pregnancy, I thought, yeah, I can do everything. I can do absolutely everything that I want. Um, and when Abe was born, I was I was still campaigning and I was canvassing. And I did a lot on the Repeal the AIDS campaign as well. Um, which of course I wanted to do, but it was it was a lot when Abe was such a small baby. Um, and, you know, there was days where he mightn't have slept the night before and I was heading out on a canvas at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day and he mightn't have napped that well. And it was, it was just stressful, you know, and you were kind of worried about how he was, if he got enough sleep and you had the guilt that you were bringing him out on a canvas and maybe he hadn't slept properly. And I think from that... I just thought this time round, I'm just going to completely just give myself to it and I'm going to be really good to myself. I'm going to stay at home as much as I can, rest and just not put pressure on myself to, you know, to get out and do things that I I think that I need to do, but really will survive if I don't. Yeah, because actually I've seen photos of you with wearing Abe out canvassing. Yeah. Yeah. I I was like, that's amazing because I suppose... I can see their work-life balance there that you have something you wanted to do Mm. and that free time that you're using that Mm. you know getting to bring Abe with you it's kind of like it's finding that balance. It is, it is and I mean it was fantastic to be able to do it and I think with one when you can throw them into a sling and head out the door it's, it's, it's a bit easier as well I guess. Um, and it was really good to be able to do it. And I love doing it. And people's reactions to it was yeah. great. You know, you you spoke to so many women um, about kids because you were out with your kids and you had these lovely conversations with people on the doorsteps. Um, not about politics at all a lot of the time, but about family and children and um, the kind of things they do with their kids and stuff like that. So it was lovely in that respect. But um just some days it was just harder than others, you know, if you just didn't have a particularly good night or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
and you had committed to doing it, it was just a little bit, I suppose, of of added stress. Um, I wouldn't change it, but I just think, I just think I'll be kinder to myself the next time around. Yeah, I always think think that we've really bad habits of if you're tired, and instead of going, oh, I'll take a rest. It's like, oh, I'll go for a walk. Yeah. And yeah. it's just going, no, it's okay to just sit down and... Yeah, like, exactly. And I think you feel like you need time to yourself. So that means you have to leave or do something yeah. and like make the most of that free hour. Whereas, I mean, I could just lie on my bed. I don't even have to sleep. but just lie there on my own for an hour and I'll feel better afterwards, you know. Yeah. The odd time in the morning, Anthony, it can be crazy in the morning in our house. And uh, Anthony will just come into the room or something I'll be like can you just give me like 10 minutes of silence before I leave the house and he's like okay no problem totally gets it and he'll take Abe away out and I'll just have like 10 minutes of silence to myself I'm like okay I'm fine again now but you just you need that for me it's the evening time yeah that's when I feel like the mornings I'm I'm maybe I'm a morning person I don't know but I go for uh, a long shower and I'm kind of known for that. And um, <laughs> and then I have a grand, I'll go down and we'll all have breakfast and it'll all be great. But when I come home, like work is, is busy and intense and mm. I collect Alice from my parents, have the chats, get home, get dinner on, you know, and then start putting Alice to bed and everything. So by the time like half eight comes, I'm like, I don't actually don't want to look at anything or anyone. And yeah. like I'd actually would happily... Mm. And I, that's where I get the scrolling from in, on Instagram. I'm not even on Instagram. Yeah. But it's it's letting my mind actually just take a break. Yeah, it's just escapism, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I love that moment when Abe is asleep, whether I'm putting him down or Anthony's putting him down. And Anthony walks back in and closes the door. And once the door is closed to the hall, we know that he's asleep kind of thing. Because if we're up and down, it's a different story. And when that door is closed and you just know you have that evening then the two of you and you have your couple of hours to just have something to eat or a cup of tea and watch whatever you want on the telly and it's like just total escapism for me anyway just want to like totally get out of my head and watch the Great British Bake Off or something yeah you know and it's back yes it's wonderful (laughs) I keep missing it I'm like how have I I was obsessed with it yeah and now I'm like oh my god I Missed an episode this week and I didn't even realise I missed it I until know, it was like the day after. Yeah, I love it though. I mean, it's the same thing every single year. Like, but it's so lovely. Same, but it's just such nice, easy watching and everybody's kind of happy and positive and like the worst thing that can happen is their cake falls on the floor. Like, it's fabulous. <laughs> You're almost <laughs> wishing for that to happen yeah, really for the drama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're you're from Cork. Yeah. And Anthony is Meath. Meath, yeah. Meath. So... I suppose a lot of mums I've talked to on this will always be like, oh, we've great family support. Mm. You guys are living in Dublin. Yeah. So how are you relying on childcare to help you out? Yeah, pretty much exclusively <laughs> childcare. Well, we for the first while it was just ourselves, really, you know, the first the first six months. And, you know, when you're breastfeeding as well, um, you are there, you have to be there kind of 24-7. But... Um, it, it really was just us for a long time and like it's it was hard you know you do, we don't have anybody that we can just kind of call and they'll be there in five minutes um I mean I do have an amazing auntie that lives in Dublin that helps me out um if I'm stuck and 
Now my dad comes up every second week and has a day with Abe. He gets the free train up from Cork every second Tuesday and he has a day with Abe. And it's amazing. And, you know, he offered to do it and he said that he wanted to do it because I thought I can't ask him to come up from West Cork, yeah. you know, every second week. But he said he wanted to do it, that he wanted to spend time with him and get to know him, um, which is really nice. And Abe now loves like to see Pop there in the morning when he gets up um, and he's there for the day. Um, so, like, my dad is great, obviously, very supportive. But yeah, it's 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 mostly creche. I mean, Abe is in creche three days a week and then I take parental leave a day a week and then Anthony takes every second Tuesday when, when dad's not there. Um, so it's a bit of a mix and match of, of different things. And, you know, we have friends as well in Dublin who have helped us out as well on occasion. But it's just asking for the help, like really, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just actually saying, OK, we need to do this tonight. We're going to just ask if they say no, that's fine. Um, but it's just a bit different when it's not family members, I suppose. It's a lot easier to ask family members for help. But um, yeah. And how do you find, like, how did you go about finding a question to put him in and... Well, we didn't have a choice, to be honest. I mean, when it came to looking for a crash for him, it was like, what is available? Um, I remember my GP saying to me when I was like three months pregnant, start looking for childcare. And I thought, oh yeah, I will, yeah. I'm thinking, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm only three months pregnant. I don't even know when I'm going back to work. Um, but she was right and I should have done it then. But I, it was, Abe, had, Abe was born when I started looking and kind of when I had my dates and that kind of thing and we looked all around. We live in, in Monkstown, so we looked all around and there was only two crashes in the entire, from the city out to like further than Dunleary, like Lenagiri direction. There was only two places that could take him. Um, so we looked at both and picked the one that I felt was just a nicer environment and one that I was kind of, that I just felt good about. Um, and I'm lucky because he's doing great in there and he really enjoys it. But, I mean, it's just a nightmare. Like, it's an absolute nightmare. The waiting times is ridiculous. I mean, the cost is ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and the thoughts of another baby coming along and adding to that bill is, like, terrifying in its own right. Um, but I just think it's just, it's it's a massive expense for families and we're lucky, like we're both working. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for people that have one one parent working and that kind of thing, I just, I just don't know. I don't know. It's not really sustainable, isn't it? Like it, with mortgage plus crash fees, it's another mortgage essentially. Oh yeah, it's pretty, well, it's, we're renting um, at the moment and it's, you know, it's, creeping up onto the same amount as we're paying in rent every month and with two it probably will be yeah um the same so it's it's huge i mean it's a massive outgoing for people it's a lot of stress and and i think as well the fact that you don't really have a choice where they go unless you're like putting their name down before they've even been conceived you don't really have a choice and that's taken away from you then as a parent because you feel you're not kind of putting him into the place that you love the most. You're yeah. putting him into the place that you can get and that you're lucky to get. Um, and then you hear of, I mean, you know, I have friends that live in, in Denmark and you hear of like what's over there and in Finland. It's just an amazing public service over there. And it's just not the case here. It's just driven by profit, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not really how you want to measure 
No, it's not. I mean, we look after our children in this country from when they're primary school age. Yeah. I don't see why we can't look after them before that. They're still children. Yeah. You know, we should cherish them all. Um, and More vulnerable think, at a younger age. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when they're at a very young age, they can't even communicate with you. Um, so I just think that I would love to see the state stepping in and actually providing a national service like like, like state, similar to state-run, state, yeah, state-run childcare centres. Yeah, in other countries, you see the local authorities taking them in, and like they take charge of them. And there is capped rates for families, and then families on lower incomes um, either have free places or else they pay less. Um, and it runs amazing. I mean, our local authorities are well able to run um, these services. We have county childcare committees anyway, so I would love to see that happening. And off the back of childcare, which I think is is generally left to the woman to try mm. and sort out and stuff. Do you think in this day and age where we're kind of told women can have it all, do you think we really can? Not at the moment, no. I mean, we can have it all when we're completely equal um, in this country, but at the moment we're not. And the onus is on women. I mean, you know, you ask any woman that's going back to work, um, who's taking the parental leave Yeah, and I can tell you nine times out of ten it'll be the woman yeah. and it'll be a struggle for maybe the the man you know to, to take the parental leave or something like that or it'll be more difficult for him to talk to his employer about taking the leave whereas with women it's almost kind of a given that we can take the parental leave Yeah, um, and I think as well like particularly in politics, you know, there isn't any kind of maternity leave um, for women. So like in politics, we're basically saying, well, we don't care about the fact that you're having children. We don't we don't think you need the time off. So it's then a barrier to women entering politics because, of course, women are going to have children. We are the ones that produce the children. Yeah. And by saying that we're not going to allow you to take any time off, we're not going to be understanding of the fact that you have children, um, it means that women are going to then be faced with the choice between going into politics or having a family, which I which I was faced with. Yeah, and that's you made an announcement then in July this year. Yeah, when you you were successful in the local election. Yeah, and then after that, you made an announcement about furthering your political career. Yeah, exactly. So I was, as I said, I was a general election candidate. I had been a general election candidate for about two years. Um, and I ran in the local elections. And just before the local elections, I found out I was pregnant. And I suppose I just kind of had to think, OK, how is this all going to work? It's it's two children. And I had to think about it very, very carefully and and think about the time that I'd have to commit to the general election, um, knowing that I was missing, going to be missing out in that time with the baby and missing out in the time with Abe and the pressure as well that that would bring on Anthony, like because he would be the one that would be mm-hmm. dealing with everything at home because in the middle of a general election campaign, I mean, you're just not there. You're not present. Like it's so busy. There's so much to do. Um, and I had to think about all these things and then I thought, okay, if I'm running in a general election campaign, I'm running to win a seat and if I win a seat, if Labour have a great day in Dunleary, I'm going to win a seat and I'm going to be going straight into work because I'm not entitled to take any leave um, as a newly elected TD. And I thought, 
you know, if there was a, an election in February or March or, or whenever, I'd be leaving a very small baby and I'd be completely giving up any maternity leave. I'd yeah. be going back into full-time work. And I know people make that choice all of the time. And, you know, I know self-employed people have to make that choice all the time. But I was faced with that choice and I thought, I just didn't think that I could do it. And I just didn't want to sacrifice it. Especially when I'd worked a lot um, and campaigned a lot with Abe when he was a baby. I just knew that I just didn't want to do it again. And I and I made the decision to step back then as the general election candidate and inform the party um, and that kind of thing. So they'll be looking for a new general election candidate now. But that's a huge decision to make because that's a career that you were kind of chasing for such a long time. Mm, yeah. And then to say, okay, do I become the career person I want to be mm. or do I want to be the mum that I want to be? And that's yeah. essentially the decision you had to make. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to make that decision, you know. And as I said, I think when I was pregnant with Ava, I, you know, I was like, I can do everything. I can have a baby, I can run a general election, I can be a counsellor, I can have my job and everything. Um, and I tried really hard to do all of them, but I think now that I know the reality, I just knew, like, I know what it's going to take out of me yeah. um, in running that campaign. And I would just love, like, all I would be asking for is a little bit of understanding from our state that women have children and it takes a toll on you physically and emotionally mm -hmm. and mentally and everything. And you can't just bounce back into work the next day. So as it stands, I mean, the, you know, the, it's a constitutional issue in that office holders um, aren't entitled to any maternity leave. I just think that needs to change. And I think we just have to recognise that women have children and that they need time off, some time off to be with their children. And if that happened, then maybe we could have it all and maybe we could do both. And I certainly wouldn't have made that decision mm -hmm. about running in a general election because I would have been safe in the knowledge that when I had my baby, I was entitled to have a bit of time at home yeah. with him or her. Because in an article I read about it as well, you were saying like, there's means that we could change so yeah. that although you're a public representative, people still will have you as that because you could do pairing voting and stuff like that. Yeah, I so, mean, there there's a lot of solutions and it's it's something that I've raised with the council out in Dunleary. I mean, councillors aren't entitled to any leave either, but it's a little bit easier, I suppose, to take a bit of time out because you're, you just have council meetings in the evening. So it's not necessarily a nine to five job yeah. that um, and it wouldn't be as pain would be. as being yeah, a TD would yeah. be. Yeah. But I mean there's there's ways and means of of everything. I mean, first of all, you could just give give women the leave. Um but I mean we have a substitute system when it comes to European elections in when we select a candidate for European elections, there's a substitute mm -hmm. selected as well. Yeah. So if anything happens to that MEP, we they immediately have a substitute to go in and do their job for them. And I think, why can't we do that for women? I mean, why can't we have an alternative that could be there to step in for whatever it is, three months, six months, um, and, you know, like look after the reps, look after constituent queries, you know, vote for you um, if you need to do that. Uh, like there's a lot of things. We can also look at remote voting yeah. um, in the council. I've I've raised that with the, with the council, but in legislation it says that you have to be present in the chamber but I think we can change that I mean it's very easy to send in a vote by email yeah. and to follow a meeting and that kind of thing so we just need to 
you know, be a little bit more open, I think, to methods to help parents. And it's not just mothers that will benefit. It's it's dads as well. You know, it's all parents. We just have to be a bit more flexible in our work. And I suppose as well, it comes across as a little hypocritical when you see paternity leave being brought in and then parental leave being brought in. But for women, we're never going to have someone representing us at mm. our mum stage, you know, of, you know, from your 25 to 40s in the doll because really where you've it's essentially so unwelcome to that age group. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the women in the doll, I suppose, um, they tend to be either kind of pre family yeah. or or post family when their kids have yeah. grown up because that's realistically the time that you can dedicate to it. But there is I mean there I know there is women in there in fairness and they're great that have young kids. Um, but they're few and far between really. Yeah. There's not a lot in there anyway, I suppose, because um it's majority male TDs, but uh, generally, you know, it's kind of either younger women who are starting out in their political career or it's women that have raised their families and they have the time to go back. And as you say, people of our generation then and, and pe- you know, people that are experiencing the same things as us, then are we being represented like when it comes to childcare yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing and, and health? Yeah, yeah, and breastfeeding. I mean, this country doesn't support breastfeeding. No. Why is that? Maybe it's because there's not women in there that are experiencing at that moment, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And when I saw that Minister Harris had a baby, I kind of thought, I was like, do you know what, isn't that great? Because he might not have an understanding of what women go through. Mm. And as Minister for Health, to have someone, you know, to be that age where he has a newborn in his house, Mm. it might open up to go and actually, do you know what, there are issues around childcare, you know, I've spoken so much about the fact that we don't look at look at tongue tie for breastfed babies and mm. just all the supports that are there that it might come home to him. Mm. You would hope. Well, we'd hope. I we think hope. we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I looked at how much is spent on breastfeeding in this country, and it is minus. When I say minuscule, I think I I'd have to double check it, but I think it's like. 0.003% of something of the of the health budget. I know we have a massive health budget, but it is tiny. Like it's yeah. tiny the amount that we spend on breastfeeding. And it is the best thing that you can do for your baby. Like I'm just a, I'm a massive supporter of it. Um, and as somebody said recently, um, you know, there's free formula in hospitals mm-hmm. and you have to bring in your own nappies. Um, I just think there should be more emphasis on breastfeeding you shouldn't have to ask to see a lactation consultant yeah. in a hospital. It should be part of your care package. I mean, I was texted when I was in Hollow Street by a good friend of mine saying, by the way, you are entitled to see a lactation consultant, so make sure you ask because they don't tell you. And I thought, surely that should just be, you know, an automatic appointment yeah. for a woman that's just had a baby. Yeah. Now, I did the domino scheme, so I had amazing support from the midwives when it came to breastfeeding and everything and they were up beside my bed every day and out to my house for like a week afterwards and it was all about the latch and all about (laughs) the feeding and everything so I felt very supported but I was very lucky that I went down that route and I had that support I mean you know a lot of other women wouldn't have it Um, and I think it's it's something that you everybody can do if they just have the right support around them yeah and as well you have the paediatrician that goes around that does the check. And again, with breastfed babies and even non-breastfed babies, because it does become a developmental issue. Mm. But if you have got like tongue tie or lip tie, 
Like, yeah. why is that not checked? Because especially for breastfed Absolutely. babies, it causes yeah, like pain, pain discomfort, yeah. weight loss. Yeah. I just, I, I just don't understand it. I know. Yeah. Like that time is already allocated. So surely that pediatrician can just yeah. look in the mouth and go, oh, actually. Yeah. I know. I mean, there's time allocated for everything else, like teaching yeah. them how to bat them and everything. Yeah. Like, surely the kind of physiological stuff should be <laughs> the, the stuff that the we basics. can't figure out ourselves. Yeah. 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 It's, um, um, no, I think we have, we definitely have a long way to go, I think. Um, like again, but again, I mean, the care that I got in Hollow Street was incredible, and I think the staff in there are just phenomenal. I don't know how they do what they do because it's just so crazy, yeah, and so hectic. But I'll be looking forward to seeing a nice new maternity hospital. I have to say, in Dublin, I think it's well overdue a bit of space. I mean, Hollow Street is like an old Victorian yeah. building, so it has narrow corridors, and I mean, I was. I was brought in there um, because my waters had gone two days before. So I was brought in. So I like laboured the whole day. I didn't have a chance to sit at home and have a nice, comfortable <laughs> labour. I was labouring from the get-go in Hollis Street in these tiny little corridors. And I was like putting my legs, you know, trying to get up the back stairs to try yeah. and stretch, to try and bring on contractions and everything. And I was having contractions and people were running down the stairs and I had to get out of the way and it was just <laughs> crazy, crazy altogether. So I think a nice new purpose-built maternity hospital would be fantastic. Yeah, and I wanted to see UMH. So that's a mm. purpose-built one. And it's yeah. the small little things. Like there's a car park that's just for the maternity unit yeah. and it's underneath the maternity unit. So you're not bringing you your baby out quickly. in the rain and, you know, yeah, everything is... I know. And there's a really spacious staircase with yeah. a really good view yeah. <laughs> of the whole Those campus. Small things. I know, I remember like planning for the parking like in Hollis Street yeah. because I mean, Hollis Street is just it's crazy. It's centre. Like yeah. Now again, I suppose we were, we were lucky in a sense that I was booked to come in on that Saturday morning because my waters had gone. So it wasn't like I was, I went into labour and I had to like go in there really quickly or, or whatever. So we were able to park up and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it was a little bit different. But I mean, for people kind of in emergency situations, there's just nowhere to go, you know, absolutely nowhere to go. And uh, yeah, as you say, bringing your baby home, it'd be nice to just go into a car park and be able to kind of come come out calmly. But yeah. <laughs> Anthony had like splatters on and there was people beeping and I was trying to cross the road and it was just crazy. Yeah. I'm trying to get the car seat to click in. I know, yeah. I just remember walking out of the hospital. I actually walked past Hollis Street there yesterday. I was meeting a friend of mine for lunch and it was obviously kind of like checkout time. Everybody had been <laughs> discharged so there was loads of couples walking out. And I just remember like walking out the door and my knees were literally shaking. Like I could feel them shaking, just leaving, you know, leaving the security of the hospital yeah. and being like, okay, this is it. This is me and Anthony now heading home with this baby. And I'd say I felt every single pothole on the way oh, home. Yeah. But I just remember just being it's like so shaky, almost like, you know, that kind of like dizzy kind of white feeling, like you're kind of out of body. It was like that. Yeah. Um, and it was just so crazy bringing him home, yeah. And that mum that left the hospital that day to who you are now, are you the type of mum you thought you'd be? I don't know what I thought I would be, to be honest with you. I 
I didn't think about it that much about what kind of a mom I wanted to be. I suppose you always kind of want to be the mom that your mom was to you, you know, that you kind of like, you know, that you're just going to be, that your child is just going to be obsessed with you for the rest <laughs> of his life. Um, like I was with my mom, but um, yeah, I think I just wanted to be, I kind of wanted to be like a kind of a cool laid back mom. Um I don't know if I was that uh, really at the start with A because I think I just worried about things and if I was doing things right and if he was getting enough sleep and if he was going to sleep at the right time and everything like that. Um, So I probably would have liked to have thought of myself as the kind of laid back, cool, kind of bohemian mom. And in reality, I probably wasn't. Um, But yeah, yeah, doing okay. Do you think being a mom has changed you? Do you think you're... Like your outlook? Um, I think it's it's incredible. And I mean, people have said it to me before and my sister said it to me and my mom said it to me. It's like the feeling that you have for your children. Like you would literally just like throw yourself in front of a train. Like no questions asked, no hesitation. And I kind of like, just be like, oh yeah, I know, I know. But I, I don't think I really kind of understood it I always kind of thought mm, you probably would look after yourself a bit as well though but you don't like I no. mean you literally any bit of pain and you're just devastated you yeah. know you just kind of want to take everything every bit of pain away from them and then I mean they can drive you up the wall but at the same time you just would do absolutely anything in the world for them to make sure that they're happy and safe Yeah, you know Um. So yeah, I think the extent of that I probably didn't get, but it's it's an incredible feeling. It's absolutely terrifying because it does scare the living daylights out of me to think of anything happening yeah. to, to Abe or to this little baby. But um, like it's a very privileged feeling, you know, mm-hmm. to have as well. Like yeah. it's a, it's a very special feeling to have. I um I don't think I ever I didn't really think about it either. Um, I but I feel like I have like. 360 you know mm. as in from I would always be really relaxed about wanting kids mm. and but now I see babies and I am obsessed I know like <laughs> like obsessed oh my goodness I just like I would take them all home I know <laughs> well I definitely wouldn't take them all home I probably see babies and I'm like oh lovely cute babies and nice cuddles but then I also see the bags under their parents' <laughs> eyes and that stressed look in their eyes that you can see that they're like, oh my Process. God, are we ever going to get to sleep again? Um, and the stress, I didn't, that is something I did not yeah. consider. The worry. Yeah, the worry. The and worry. Just the intensity of it all. Like, I don't think anybody can prepare you for the intensity of it no. and just how 24-7 it is. And your whole life is just consumed by this little yeah. tiny individual. And that is really, really intense in like in a good way at times and in a really overwhelming way at times. I mean, there was times when, especially again, if you're feeding and you are that source of food, like every hour and a half, basically, you have to kind of feed them. I like I did find it hard. I was like at times I just needed Abe to be just taken away from me like off my body and I had to go away and just again have my own little space and that intensity I definitely wasn't wasn't ready for 
Yeah. And the total surrendering of any personal space. I'm well used to it now, of course, because he'd be climbing on top of you. And when Abe is a little bit sick or anything, the only place he can sleep is like across my neck. Um, his head on one side, his bum on the other. Um, so I'm well used to that now. So I think that'll probably be good when number two comes around. Yeah. Yeah. He'll have to share. Yeah, he will definitely have to share. Because <laughs> actually this week, Alice has been unwell and... She's such an independent little lady and like that newborn where you have them on like you, like you were saying earlier, totally took it for granted. And then, you know, all of a sudden I kind of realized, I was like, oh, she actually doesn't cuddle into me anymore like the way she mm. used to. But in the last week, so she obviously is feeling unwell, it, it comes with her feeling unwell. Mm. So every night she's cuddling into me and going to sleep and I'm like, this is amazing. I know, it's so nice. It's so <laughs> nice. sleep on you. It's so nice. It's like... Everything is so peaceful. Even if you've spent an hour trying to get them to sleep yeah. and they're driving you up the wall, then the minute they fall asleep, you're just like, oh, look, they're so cute. You're so like, God, I could stay here now forever. <laughs> That's why I was just looking at her in the dark and looking at her little face because they look so different when they're like when they're asleep. Yeah. You're just, I was just like, oh, I was just admiring her going, she's so angelic. I know, it's um, so cute. I know when Abe is kind of like chatting mad now, so... When he's going to sleep, we have to go through the motions. So we have to say goodbye to everybody. So he's like, bye-bye, daddy. Bye-bye, mommy. And then he says bye-bye to everybody. All of his cousins, his aunties, the dogs, the cats, the cars, the train. So we spend about half an hour saying goodbye to everybody. And then he'll kind of be like, okay. <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm ready to I think I'm ready to go to sleep now. Um He's kind of like funny. unwinding himself. Yeah, it's strange. It's like it's it's part of our routine now, you know. It 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 just yeah, it kind of just settles him or something because he's at the stage now where he just wants to be up all the time and and playing and jumping and everything. So getting him to to bed now is kind of a little bit harder because he doesn't want the light to go off because he just doesn't want the crack to stop. He just wants to still be playing and he sounds like his dad. Go. Yeah, exactly. So that's how we can kind of get him to get into a mindset of kind of relaxing is just saying goodbye and night night to everybody and everything in Ireland um, but it works for us <laughs> um, it's that time I gotta ask you two questions okay so obviously you're pregnant mm-hmm. but what would you tell your pregnant self I think I would have probably warned myself that it was going to be more intense and more sleepless than I would have thought um, but I also would have said just try and not sweat it a lot and just trust yourself and what you're doing and just allow your baby to do his or her own thing as well and just trust it. And if things are feeling hard or difficult or overwhelming, just remember that it, it'll pass. If you have a few awful nights with wake-ups every hour, it will pass and it will, the baby will sleep longer again and it will sleep through the night at some point. So I think it would be just to kind of go with it and just try and embrace it as much as you can. And what one product could you not live without? I find this really hard to think of. I mean, I wanted to say my boobs, but I don't know if they're a product because I relied on... They have on... been on that list before. <laughs> I Not think I relied... Honest. My boobs, great. Um, I relied on breastfeeding for probably everything um, when Abe was a baby, any issue at all. Um, but 
I think you just need good friends and good other mums around you. I think yeah. it's absolutely essential. Um, I have two great friends um, that are in Bray and Greystones and they were just amazing to me and just really honest about motherhood, which I love. And then I have a Quidio group as well out in Dunleary and there, there was coffee mornings every Thursday and I just loved them. I loved getting out and talking to other mums because no matter how awful your week was <laughs> or your night was, or how tough it was, somebody else in that room was going through the same thing and you could yeah. just be completely honest. Um, and I just think everybody needs it. Everybody needs to like vocalise what they're going through and have other people around them that understand. Yeah. Because I think if if you get empathy from someone and yeah. go, oh, yeah, I've been there, or you go in and you go, do you know what, lads, this isn't there's something going on or this isn't working mm. or someone will have that knowledge. Absolutely. And I mean, you could be sitting at home worrying about, you know, what's wrong? Why is your baby doing this? Or why isn't it doing this? Or something like that. Um, And you could just be worrying. But the minute you just say it to somebody, I mean, as they say, a problem shared is a problem halved. But it's so true. The minute you just put it out there and you chat to a group of women, there's always going to be somebody that has experienced it and can give you a bit of advice. And if they can't, even just to have a cup of tea and a scone and just tell them about it. I found it great, I have to say. I think, you know, just having a group of people around you that are going through the same thing and the same stage is just so essential for your head. Yeah. As well, almost saying, you know, can I have your number? It's like going back to blind, like dating. You're like... But you're so forward. Like, I mean, I wouldn't... I've done that before I had a baby. I was yeah. literally asking people for numbers after one yoga class. I was like, so coffee now? Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose you're just all in the same boat. Like yeah. everybody just wants a bit of company, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're everybody's at home for that maternity leave or at home oh, all day. Yeah. I think so. It's lovely to have people to meet. And, and you kind of think the maternity with. leave is going to be like, you'll be a social butterfly until you realise actually everyone's in work. Yeah. So then you, you do have to find those mums that are in, on leave as well and kind of close to you because yeah. as you say you think that you're going to be like zipping around <laughs> the city you know in great form but you know there's going to be mornings where it feels like a struggle to just put on your coat and go down to the end of the road because you're absolutely wrecked you know what I mean but like to have people that are around you and close to you that will meet you for a cup of tea down the road or yeah. in the closest coffee shop is lovely yeah. um, because sometimes even getting the dart into town. I mean, I have a 20 minute tra- train ride from Dunleary to town and going into town felt like an enormous thing sometimes for Abe, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. Keep it local. <laughs> <laughs> and what has been your magic moment? Um, I think when Abe was placed on my chest, it's probably such a cliche, um, but uh, when he was put on my chest and myself and Anthony and him were there for the first time, the three of us. And I just will never forget him looking directly into my eyes and Anthony's eyes. And it was just like, it felt like there was complete silence. Now, there probably wasn't because I had to have an emergency section. So I was in theatre. So I imagine there was lots of chat and everything going on around me. But in my memory, it was just completely silent and I'll just never forget. Abe's eyes were huge and there was like no sound out of him. It was just like he was looking at the two of us and he was like, okay, this is what you look like now. These are the two that I'm stuck with. 
but it was just so amazing. It was just so beautiful and so intense and just... Yeah, I just remember the three of us just kind of looking at each other and it was it was just completely magical. That's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had like tears in my eyes. I was like, hold it together, Pamela. Hold it together. <laughs> I had time to think about it and craft the story, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and no talking problem. to me. I cannot wait to see is it going to be a boy or a girl. I know. I have a feeling it's going to be a boy. But I mean... <laughs> Who knows? I'm convinced that I can read ultrasounds now. Um, but uh, we had our 20-week scan on Monday. Um, and I'm convinced that it's a boy after that, even though I have absolutely no clue, really, because I don't know what I was looking at on the screen. Um, but anyway, we'll wait and see. We'll find out in January. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to send me a message, please email forallmankind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you on the next episode of For All Mankind, the podcast.